Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hey, guys. And we're a supernatural horror podcast where we tell each other scary stories that are allegedly true, and we often have a drink along the way to make it a little bit more fun. I know I have been doing No Drink November, but I had a slip-up to celebrate, <laughs> and it was everyone said, hey, that was a good reason to slip up, which is cool. So today, it's after Thanksgiving, and as far as I'm concerned, November's over. <laughs> So I'm having a teensy little bit of Lily's soul drink. Yes. Which is rum. I mean, everyone has like a soul animal. Lily has a soul beverage. Oh, I thought you meant like soul is only, not soul like my soul. No, I meant like, you know, everyone has like a spirit animal. This yeah. is your spirit spirit. <laughs> this is my spirit spirit? <laughs> exactly. Got it. So we hope your last few days have been awesome. I mean, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, we hope you at least were able to rest, relax, drink some of that stress away, all that good stuff. And now with both Thanksgiving and Halloween past us, Lily and I are now allowing Christmas to exist in our minds. (laughs) It's finally ready. I don't know about you guys, but Lily and I are totally in that mindset that Christmas needs to stop freaking taking over other holidays, you know? Yeah, I mean... Let Halloween be Halloween. Christmas has an entire month as well. Just let it sit in December. No, exactly. And it's hard enough that Halloween seems to be disappearing on its own. I know. That in October, if you can walk into the store, there's no Halloween decorations up, but you're starting to see like Christmas lights for sale, and it's still so warm that you're wearing shorts and flip flops. (laughs) You're just like, no. Stop this. I've heard people say the words war on Christmas. This isn't a war on Christmas. I love Christmas. We both love Christmas. But like you just said. This is a war on Halloween. Yeah, we're we're, we're fighting (laughs) to defend Halloween. Yeah, no, no. We love Christmas. But to make this relevant to our podcast, you can't be that massive of a holiday without acquiring a few things that aren't quite so full of holiday cheer. From traditions that are hundreds of years old to movies that just came out a few years ago. Christmas also has its own demons and terrors, from serial killers hiding in basements to Belschnickel whipping children with a switch. (laughs) What I'm trying to get at is just because Halloween is over doesn't mean that we have to wait a year for holiday horrors. Lily and I have a nice pile of Christmas horror that we envelop ourselves in every year, and let's be honest, the dead of winter has historically been one of the most terrifying times for humanity, and many of us forget this due to our modern conveniences. But... These stories and tales serve as a reminder to us that it's actually a really scary time. That our bodies are soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we need warmth. Yeah. And if you were going to kill someone and get away with it, the winter seems pretty good. Winter, we just saw... Yeah. We just saw um, Wind River. Wind River. And Wind River, although not a Christmas movie, was a terrifying murder mystery that just shows how absolutely scary and horrifying things can be in the winter. Mm -hmm. So I recommend it, but it's not for the faint of heart. So this leads me all to a little special plan I have for this month. (laughs) Lily and I are going... Now that you're done with your little rant? (laughs) Now that I'm done with my rant. I don't even think it's a rant, because I still love Christmas. I just don't want it to take over Halloween. You have a funny way of showing love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lily and I are going to watch more horror movies, because that's what heroes do. And we aren't... (laughs) We aren't going to have it structured quite like we did with the calendar in October, nothing formal like that. But what we are going to do is, if we are going to watch a movie that night, we'll post it to Instagram every time, you know, we get a new movie. So that way, in case you guys want to join us and watch it that night, or send us a message or watch it sometime that week, you absolutely should. And then that week's episode 
after we've done our stories, we'll talk about it at the end, as spoiler-free as possible. But that way, if you just want to join along, it's very casual, not as many movies as October, but, you know, you get the picture. Get It'll a little be, scared during yeah, winter. Yeah, something else to talk about, for sure. So these movies are definitely going to range all over the place. We're going to have family-friendly films like Nightmare Before Christmas and Gremlins, all the way to slashers like Black Christmas, and I'm talking about the 70s one, not the two remakes that have occurred in the last 20 years. Yeah. Although I might watch those anyway, even though they're terrible. Eh, they're fun. And then there's a classic slasher, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I've never seen, but I really want to, (laughs) and it's supposed to be good. And heck, there's a good chance we're going to watch some horror films that aren't even Christmas movies, they're just winter movies, like Dead Snow and Frozen. And by Frozen, I don't mean the Disney film with the princesses (laughs) and all that singing. No, I mean the 2010 horror film where three skiers get stuck on a chairlift after a ski mountain closes down for the night. It's very cheesy, but every time I watch it, I it's like it so more and like more. <laughs> early two thousands teen vibe. I I love it. I think it's such a great movie. Like I remember like, the first time I saw, it, I just couldn't stop rolling my eyes at how <laughs> preposterous it was. But every time I see it, I'm like, God, I just love everything about I, this movie. I don't know what it is. It's probably just nostalgia hitting us really hard. Maybe, but it might also just be. They kind of understand what makes what we like about horror films. It's not necessarily plausibility or realism. It's just to scare you about one concert. If you're just willing to let yourself believe, (laughs) then it becomes scary. Like the situation actually being able to... Yeah, just let it happen. Right, yeah. And then it gets scary. Yeah. Because once you Mm -hmm. let all the ridiculous stuff pass, the movie gets actually pretty terrifying. So for those of you guys that love joining us in October, please keep an eye on our Instagram and you can join in on some fun, drop us some lines, everything. We know quite a few people really enjoy the October stuff. We loved hearing from you guys. So this might be a good chance to get some more movies in because, you know, everything about Christmas is super happy and exciting. So let's let's beat that down a little bit. Yeah. Let's get scared again. <laughs> so That sounds good to me. So yeah, I guess that's all I have for news for the upcoming month, because we only have a few episodes in December. It goes bam, bam, bam. And I actually, yep. if I'm not mistaken, I think Christmas is a Saturday. So we're actually going to have an episode on Christmas this oh, year. Oh, that's right. I hope you guys are ready for our scene. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I won't do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. So uh, I have a story for you. Perfect. Bring Here it on. We go. So my story for today is Le Bête du Javadon. Yeah, bibby bobby booty. <laughs> so it's French, and it took me like five minutes for me to be able to say that correctly, <laughs> and I'm still not convinced I did. I'm but... seeing the meme of Phoebe <laughs> and Joey from Friends. Yeah, bobby bobby. Well, yeah, like one word at a time, and then when it gets to the end, he just fails it. <laughs> I actually really like the way French sounds. I'm just terrible pronouncing it. Oh, I think it's amazing. You're not going to like it at the end of this, because there's a lot of names and towns that I'm going to have to say. Bring it on. I I will be bringing it on. It's already been barotten. It's a (laughs) barotten. See, this is what happens when we drink before we record. (laughs) It's been a while, though. It has been a while. Okay. So, we're going to be traveling back in time to the year 1764 in Jevedon, France. Oh man, scary time, pre-US. Pre-US, indeed. Not that much further, but yes. Where the inhabitants of Jevedon had encountered a man-eating beast. Oh. Yes. At the time, France was already going through some shit. Like the year before, in 1763, they had just signed the Treaty of Paris, ending the Seven-Year War against Britain. Yeah. Now, many of you might know it as the French and Indian War, so maybe that sparks up some 
high school uh, Yeah, definitely history. different names depending on where you are learning this. Oh, Your, right. European names for wars are very different than the American <laughs> names for wars. Yeah, basically. We're just like, oh yeah, cute. We're going to name it this. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we came after. I'd like to point out, real quick diversion, all of our wars have, like, for the most part, names. The Vietnam War, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. But then we have, like, one war that we're just like, <laughs> ah, we'll just call it the War of 1812. We couldn't give it a name. No, it was too fancy. <laughs> and I'm just like, we're just going to call it the War of 1812. That one always stood out to me as really the worst. Yeah, it's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst one. No disrespect to all the people who died. I know, it's like, stuff. it's not, but okay. Okay, so anyway... Jevenon was a very rural French countryside where there was only grass and farm animals as far as the eye can see. People there worked very hard and overall lived a very quiet life. Until one day, specifically on June 30th, 1764, 14-year-old Jean Boulet was tending the sheep all alone when suddenly a wild predatory animal attacked and killed her. No one would know what happened to her until eventually, as the day grew long and it began to get dark, people were starting to wonder where she was. So they went looking for her, and then they found her body. It was mutilated, and her throat had been completely ripped open. It was definitely evident that she had been attacked by a wild beast, possibly a wolf. I was going to say, like, are they just assuming wolf, or is there something about it that looked different? So uh, it turns out that... A lot of people, not a lot of people, but it, uh, wolf attacks were pretty common in France totally. at the time. So I think they were in everywhere that had wolves. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know enough about history to guess otherwise. I don't know. But my assumption is in this time, yes. Yes. <laughs> if that's... there are wolves, they're dangerous. <laughs> I have heard. So... Now they're only dangerous if you're Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson, man. That guy. <laughs> But even then, maybe they should be afraid of you. Right. So I'm basically going to be talking about a wolf-like creature, but it is to be determined whether or not it's a werewolf. It is a pretty popular story that people like to associate that it is one of the first werewolf stories. All right. However, I do want to make it clear that although this may be considered a werewolf story, I won't be talking about the lore of werewolves specifically. At least not in this episode. Because I'm pretty sure the lycanthrope concept is way older than the 1700s. Oh, it completely is. Yeah. And I'll be focusing in this particular incident in humans' history. So just this incident right now. And then I will build on later, finally talking about the creature, the myth, and the legend of the werewolf, which is a very long story. But we're not doing that today. So back to the story. Despite this being a pretty horrific death, people were not at all surprised. So like you said... Definitely wolves existed. <laughs> People died. <laughs> Poor girl. They're like, oh, that sucks. Stay away Wolf. from wolves, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> this was just something, or rather a casualty that people had to accept when they worked in the fields alone. Sure. In fact, two months prior Jean's death, there had already been a similar reported incident made by a young woman who had been attacked by a large beast. She described the creature as, quote, like a wolf, but not a wolf, end quote. Uh, woman of few words, but... <laughs> yeah. Her education's really helping her out. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, she did manage to escape, and the reason why is because the cattle that she was attending blocked the creature from harming her. 
And so I guess essentially what they did was actually build a wall of meat of defense. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I can describe it as. (laughs) Behold, my meat shield. You got to eat through me first. (laughs) (laughs) That's some Zap Brannigan shit right there where he's like, as the monsters attack, we're going to feed them and feed them until they're so full they don't want to eat you. They don't want to eat me anymore. A solid plan, I think. On August 8th, another 15-year-old girl was found brutally attacked in the same fashion. That same month, a 16-year-old boy was also found mutilated. So between September 1st and 26th, there had been four more cases. This was now about the time people started getting a little freaked out. Saying, we gotta take care of this? Yeah. It's either a really rabid wolf or something else? Something really crazy is going on. I guess, like, one kid a death a month is okay, but a couple of kids (laughs) in one month? Wait, wait, wait. Four kids? That's one kid too many. (laughs) Yeah. That's a a good moral that needs to be in the... uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales, if you're going to be a kid who dies, be the fourth kid. Because <laughs> then you'll mean something. Or, yeah, then you stood for something. Also, people were already speculating that there were more than one beast. So it wasn't just like that one wolf. It just seemed excessive for it to be one creature killing all these people in a fairly large parameter. And from what I read, it was estimated to be around 31 square mile radius or 80 square kilometers. Either way, the government officials of Jevedon were fed up and were tired of the peasants complaining about it. So they appointed Etienne Lafont to find volunteers to go hunt down the beast. Mm. Good old-fashioned pitchfork. I know, just uh, go, go. Unfortunately, Etienne was having a hard time locating the creature, so the death count continued to grow. The hunters eventually spotted the creature, and it was apparently stalking another herdsman at the time. The hunters then quickly drew their musket and fired. From what it looked like, the beast was actually shot and fell to the ground. However, moments later, it got up and managed to escape. Mm. Mm-hmm. Straight up horror movie scene. Yeah, for real. Other people did manage to shoot the creature as well, but it always miraculously got up and ran off. Is it because none of them double tapped? Nobody ever double taps, which is really a shame. Although it would have been really hard to, like refill that musket i think <laughs> yeah. it's the slowest double tap in history it's like hold on a second oh you gotta stay there. <laughs> hold up a minute <laughs> i got me to refill jean pass me the powder <laughs> oh my god so a real quick fun fact hunters tried to set up traps too but not the way you would think like not a pit with spikes or anything like that no Instead, they had military men dress as <laughs> in lady clothing. <laughs> and stand... Known as the Bugs Bunny Assault? <laughs> what the hell and, is this? And they stood in fields <laughs> waiting to be to allure such, a, such an animal. Which I'm like, okay, the beast isn't like, look, a skirt. Better attack it. I think they're looking more at size than anything, which is why a lot of the victims tend to be... Children? Young women and children, yes. Although men had been attacked as well. <laughs> but don't underestimate the sexism <laughs> of 1700s Europe. Oh, I want to know how many of them shaved. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you gotta sell it, bro. Yeah, you really gotta sell it here. On October 7th, the beast claimed yet another life. A 20-year-old woman was found beheaded. Her head would be eventually found a few days later. This enraged Etienne and insisted that the peasants try not to make themselves so vulnerable. 
<laughs> basically shifting blame. Yeah, absolutely. On the peasants that were out there working because otherwise they would starve. So, of course, it's their fault. Man, makes you realize... Shit really hasn't changed in 100 years, has it? (laughs) People suck. People suck. I just still can't get over this image that, like, over in the Americas, revolution at this point was already brewing Mm -hmm. and everything, and then you've got... The what was going to become the giant Napoleonic empire and conflict coming. <laughs> this was a huge, important time right around here. All this stuff's going to change in the world. And all of a sudden, you just got like fucking this one guy out in a field with like <laughs> loaves of bread in his a shirt musket. trying to trying to be a lady, <laughs> trying to lure <laughs> lure a werewolf. You're like... <laughs> what kind of bread, baguettes? It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Got me some pointies. <laughs> some yeah. very long boobs, this one. <laughs> I'm just seeing this as like some sort of Wes Anderson film. It's hilarious. All right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. In another incident, a couple of months later, on January 12th, 1765, 10-year-old Jacques Portefeuille found himself head-to-head with the beast. At the moment, there were other children present, ranging between 8 to 12 years old, and in a counterattack, Jacques ordered the others to beat the creature with sticks, which, crazy enough, worked. <laughs> My weakness. Sticks. <laughs> Pieces of wood. No, no, not muskets. <laughs> Sticks. <laughs> so anyway, the the werewolf did, or not the werewolf, the wolf did end up running away, and the children's bravery would not go unnoticed because Louis the Fifteenth rewarded the children for their courage to stand up to the beast. The winner here was definitely Jacques because he was rewarded a fully paid education by the crown. Well, it's got to be better than that because most of the people at this time weren't even getting any education. So Exactly. So it's just like, oh, you beat a, a wolf with a stick. Here you go. Here's some money. I mean, that's awesome for sure. Get it however you can. But it's just so sad that it took literally risking his life for <laughs> an opportunity at life. You hit a wolf with a stick. You deserve intelligence. <laughs> you are now worthy. <laughs> you... <laughs> Peasant boy has unlocked intelligence. <laughs> It's very effective. Very effective. So the uh, in addition to not only did these kids get cool stuff from the king, it also brought light to the beastly issues that Javadon was having. So King Louis the Fifteenth sent out his royal hunters with what I'm guessing better guns out to hunt the beast. Once the king got involved, people from all over Europe heard about it. It was being covered by every newspaper, making it one of the first media sensation stories ever recorded. So you know what that means? People are going to make up a lot of crap. Absolutely. So it's just going to be a lot of just that tabloid stuff, but like 17th century style. So it's going to be pretty fun. Attention wasn't the only thing that was driving this hunt. There was also a 6,000 livre... Livre reward if captured dead or alive so i wanted to convert that amount to what it would be today but the livre stopped being france's uh currency at some point in 1794 that became the franc yeah and then but back then the livre meant one pound of silver which my guess it also meant just like the british pound or the pound sterling yes yeah, i think that also means like a pound yep, of silver right okay So because of that logic that I completely just connected, not really knowing if that's true, I converted 6,000 pounds from 1765 to 2021 into dollars, and it turns out it's just over $1.5 million. So that is... Not too shabby. A lot of silver, for sure. (laughs) Hunnets. Hunnets. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what the peasants were chanting. Hunt it, hunt it, hunt it. What I wouldn't pay to see that. One of my favorite hunting stories was a 19-year-old Marie Jeanne Vallée. On August 11th, 1765, her and her sister were crossing a river when they were attacked by the beast. Marie, already expecting this, <laughs> had her bayonet attached to a pole ready to strike. Clever girl. Clever girl. She managed to impale it in the chest, but the creature did manage to get away anyway. Damn, this thing's got a thousand lives. Are yeah. you sure it's not a cat? It, it's probably a cat. I don't know. <laughs> Later, uh, she would be known as the Amazon or Maid of Jevedon, which I think is pretty cool. At this point, it's been well over a year, and people have yet to capture the deadly creature, which is still killing innocent people at an alarming rate. That is until September 20th, 1765, Francois Antoine, who was one of the king's gun bearers, went out with his own gang to kill the beast. It wasn't long after that he was able to hunt down a wolf and kill it. So he got something. Oh, so he did get a wolf. Yes. So after killing this animal, Francois had the body stuffed and sent to the royal court, to which in return he was handsomely rewarded. Everyone was relieved and thought that the nightmare was finally over. So what he killed, was it a wolf? It was a wolf. All right. right. Absolutely. Unfortunately, this was not the end of my story, because I'm clearly holding two more pieces of paper here. (laughs) (laughs) Later that year in December, the attack started up again, and if that wasn't bad enough, people that encountered the beast noticed that its behavior grew even more ferocious. This beast showed no fear and would attack anything in sight where before people were able to ward it off or something would be able to spook it, like cattle, like in the stories before. But not this beast. People thought it was either the real beast or it was a second, more dangerous beast seeking revenge. Wolves do hunt in packs. Yeah, it could have been a smaller one that they killed and not the uh, alpha or something. Or the guy's just like, I can't return home empty-handed. And he's just like, hey, look at that little wolf. Bam! He brought a wolf. When deaths continued, the royal court ignored it and insisted that Francois had already defeated the creature. So it's like they don't want to be embarrassed. Well, yeah, but it's like, okay, but people are still dying. So you saying it's not happening. Thanks. I'm cured. Like, what am I supposed to think here? So anyway, (laughs) how familiar this concept (laughs) sounds. It's so shockingly human. Yeah. The king is out, so we can't count on him anymore. And the locals were left with their own defenses, which is not a lot because the common folk weren't allowed to own guns. As predicted, the attacks continued, and by early June of 1767, the beast had already claimed 35 additional victims. This finally got the attention of nobleman Marquis Depchet, who organized a group of people to hunt the beast. It wasn't until June 19th that Jean Chastel shot a wolf he spotted on Mount Moshe. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> like butter. Like all these words. Look how smooth I sound right now. <laughs> Take that, French class. Yeah, suck it. This time, to ensure that they got the right creature, they did an autopsy, which revealed that it still had human remains in its stomach. Oh, damn. I thought you were going to say they were just going to send out more people into the wo- into the <laughs> fields to dress like women. Yeah. All right, so it actually had humans inside it. So that wolf did actually consume and some And was it a big-ass wolf? According to what they were describing, it did seem like a, bi- a fairly big creature. Yeah. So was this the end? 
The creature in question has been debated over and over again if it was in fact captured. This is because out of the dozens of witnesses over the years, all the way from the first witness, there had been some pretty strange descriptions. So here are some of them. What people would say that they saw was either it being as large as a bull calf or a horse, broad, big shoulders and chest, a large head, sharp teeth, long neck, having red hair and a black stripe. What? Yeah, that's the one that like caught me off guard. Um, it also had pointy ears on top of it that made it look like horns. So very pointy, long ears. Sounds pretty punk. Yeah. Uh, massive claws has been seen, according to some people, walking on its hind legs, having a large, thin tail. So that's not very wolf-like either. Mm-hmm. And can reach incredible speeds. And it also had been seen leaping further than any other animal witnessed to date. Or at least at the time to date. You know, they weren't sure what it was. Admittedly, some of these descriptions may have surfaced after newspapers have had sensationalized the beast. Yeah, so there's I also mean, like that factor that you have to consider. I don't know. As much as I love hearing about the demon stories and crazy werewolf things, I'm just going to assume most witnesses, I mean... <laughs> But even all the witnesses that said it, they always said it was just larger than a wolf. And at this time, they were aware of what those looked like as well. So it's not like, oh, you stupid peasant, you don't know what a wolf is. They absolutely do. Because they probably lost 10 family members to wolves throughout their lives. (laughs) Already. Seems like it was super common. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Everyone has seen one. So here are some theories. The wolf, as we just described. Uh, Public hysteria caused people to see exaggerated features and strange behaviors to an otherwise normal wolf. Very maybe. Yeah, sure. However, wolves don't typically hunt humans unless it was rabid. And like I said, there were survivors that were bitten and got away. Absolutely. But they never had rabies. So that's an unlikely theory. Another one is that it was a hybrid wolf and dog or just a very large dog breed, like an English Mastiff. It's theorized that the dog would have been trained to attack humans a bit of a twist explaining its weird behavior it's also possible that the owner would have dressed it in armor to protect it from gunfire and stabbing what would the motive be well it could be an insane murderer that used an animal as its preferred weapon of choice (laughs) maybe (laughs) or it was someone that could have benefited from it like francois antoine who obviously got the prize at the end by killing a wolf but in secret might have been using some sort of dog to attack its victims to sensationalize and to get the king involved. Now, I don't know if it would have been Francois Antoine specifically, especially since a lot of the attacks happened before, but maybe it was someone else who was trying to get to get it, didn't get the money, and then continued hoping that the king would get uh, another reward or something. So that's kind of, that's a theory there as well. Another one is a lion. This is apparently a more recent theory. Based on description, it could have been a very it could have been a sub-adult lion, so not the typical giant male with a large mane that would have been recognized even to a 17th century peasant, because they would have seen images of it. It's kind of theory. Um, but, ooh, all right. Do you want to wait, or do you want to tell me now? Well, it was pretty common in those days for people to bring exotic animals exactly. from Africa and Asia and India to be like, to give to the king and everything. I mean, they're not keeping lions in their castle. So, But it wasn't just kings. It was just very wealthy people. As exactly. it turns out, rich people back in the day aren't that different from rich people now. People actually did keep lions and tigers and exotic birds and monkeys and whatnot in their homes or in their giant, like, 
obviously and who are you going to report it to when it escapes? You're like, eh, I'll just wait until the next person goes to Africa and I'll have them <laughs> Bring find me another, another exotic animal. That or it got too big and they're like, this isn't the cute cub I got earlier, so I'm just going to set it free, <laughs> which is very possible. So this is totally my theory is possible crazy. <laughs> the animal importation of the 1700s. Ugh. I mean, it does actually fit some of the bill. For example, it turns out that lions don't really have a problem eating humans. And they do have a very large hunting range as well. And red hair. And they do have red hair. Long tails. Long tails. And also, they do have, like, the smaller male lions have, like, what looks like a mohawk when they're first growing their mane, which may look like a black stripe to a lot of people. Damn, I'm loving this story so So this is another, yeah. And they also, like I said, uh, large range hunting grounds up to 50 miles, which would definitely encompass that strange like occurrence that they were like how did we see one this this far away and then another attack you know a couple of days later over here not that uncommon for lions not that weird so but the next one is probably my favorite theory i just read it somewhere and i was like i have to include it it could be a prehistoric creature (laughs) (laughs) like a hyanodon that had been extinct for over 32 million years am i saying it correctly Probably not, but it's been extinct for 32 million years. I'm okay with that. I totally believe that there was just one who had an extraordinarily long <laughs> life expectancy. <laughs> well, I just think if they were extinct... He won extinct, the genetic lo- lo- lottery. Yeah. I was going to say lingerie. Won the genetic lingerie. <laughs> the genetic lottery. That is one sexy hyena, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so this Doesn't creature... Doesn't a day over one million. <laughs> so this creature definitely has a large head. Uh, long tail and is about 10 feet tall. So the, some of the descriptions are definitely there. <laughs> uh, it is one of the largest carnivorous creatures at the time. And uh, this is obviously just one example, but a lot of people are like, it could be a creature that we thought was extinct, but it's not. And But now it is, but not at the time. Because <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> they killed it just now. I was like, wait, it you made it. You killed the last one? 32 million years, but between... An additional two, three hundred years, it totally died. You just got rid of it. You know what happened. This theory came from like like some like fifteen year old hears this story about this crazy thing, goes, I wonder what that is. And then he goes to like the museum that weekend yeah. and he sees like this bone structure Hyenodon. of it and he goes, I bet that's what it was. You're like, No, buddy. No. Mystery solved, thank you. I'll collect my one point five million dollars. Thank you. <laughs> And then, of course, there is the werewolf theory. Perhaps it's the most logical explanation for some. And, of course, I would go into details of what that would entail, but that would probably take me another two hours. So I'm going to save that one for another time. But in conclusion, what we know for sure is that the Beast of Jevedon had claimed over 100 victims, possibly even closer to 200. Damn. All varying between men, women, and children. What it was... Is still a mystery. And like a poorly investigated crime scene, there's no genetic evidence to help us determine what attacked the people of Jevedon. We don't even have the stuffed animal either, do we? Stuffed animal? Remember the stuffed wolf? Can't even look at that. Oh, oh. Well, that was basically determined when when the wolf was brought to the king, he actually was like looking at it and was like, that was killing them? Okay, it's a wolf. And he wasn't even like worried about it. <laughs> I'm not keeping this. Yeah. <laughs> Please throw this away. So, you know, he just obviously it was stuffed and sent to him because it was supposed to be proof so that way he can get the reward. But 
And in the end, that was basically determined that it was absolutely a wolf, but it wasn't even the right one. So who knows? Can you imagine being paid $1.5 million to not solve a problem? (laughs) Welcome to being rich. (laughs) But anyway, so that is my story. Well, I like it. And, you know, it's perfect for this episode or for this show because werewolves. Because because werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that has to do with werewolves, we like it. It's perfect. It's great. We all love them. Yeah. Well, anyway, nice story. I really dug it. We haven't haven't been to France yet in any of our stories yet, have we? I don't think so. And I do know that we have some French listeners, as I've learned. So I think that's pretty cool if they're still out there. And let's hope they actually (laughs) enjoyed this episode and your beautiful pronunciation of all their French words. I probably just scared them off at this point. They're like, oh, my God, just listening to that voice. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) "Could could you butcher this any worse? They're like, I'm not wasting my time with these people. Yeah, I can never go to France now. Great. Well, don't worry. We, well, you apparently have the Spanish pronunciations down. So next time. Next time. Next time. (laughs) I'll try to do something in Spain. All right. Well, I have some stories too, but I think we should take a quick break. And before the quick break, I think we should take a quick shot. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers to the werewolves of France. Yeah. And we'll be right back because I've got more stories for you. All right, so we are back. I just had some water because that shot kicked my ass, and I feel much, much better. But I'm pretty excited that Chase has a story. I hear it's pretty fun, so let's find out. So, guess what time it is? <laughs> That's right. It's time for another Bourque Booze. Ends with a Z-E because it's like drinking booze. booze. <laughs> Back in the late 1800s, Albuquerque was fast becoming an important city in the Southwest. People have been living in the Albuquerque area for thousands of years, sure. But it wasn't until the end of the 19th century that the population really began to boom. The Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway was constructing a rail line down from Raton. Due to various circumstances and efforts from both the companies and locals, the rail line was built all the way down to Albuquerque, where a rail maintenance yard was to be built the remains of which still exist today. Mm -hmm. So the rail yards, which are super important, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where they started. They became a big thing during World War II, but now they're kind of abandoned in all kinds of movies like Avengers are filmed there. Looks pretty cool abandoned uh, building for sure. It's freaking awesome. The first train arrived in Albuquerque in the spring of 1880, and with it brought opportunity. Now situated conveniently along a major rail line, Albuquerque experienced that population growth I talked about, along with a hefty number of people passing through, either on their way to El Paso, Arizona, or even all the way to California. And you can just guess what all that foot traffic brings with it. Opportunity, capitalism, and prostitution. (laughs) In this case, the case of Lizzie McGrath, it brought all three. Way to go. Mary Elizabeth McGrath came down to Albuquerque in 1882 in an effort to capitalize on the budding city of Albuquerque. Whether she purchased a building or had one built isn't clear, but either way, she acquired a building in what is now downtown Albuquerque. Located at 312 West Copper, she named it the Vine Rooming House, and it would grow to become the most well-known brothel in Albuquerque. (laughs) And that area of town would become the heart of the entire red light district. Containing five parlors and five bedrooms, the Vine Rooming was situated to address both high-class clientele as well as working-class folk. Equal opportunity. Oh, yeah. They wanted to get it all. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So while I was doing the research, it turns out 
in the Wells Park area. So those of you who are familiar with it, the Wells Park area is kind of an industrial area that's undergoing gentrification. There's some breweries mm-hmm. there and some new housing. Apparently that was a super working class area with like a lumber yard and the brothels that were opened up there outside of the red light district were opened across the street from the lumber yard so that the workers would see the prostitutes all day long. Oh my God. Are you serious? And at one report they said each girl would probably see 50 guys a day. <gasps> Assuming the girls got eight hours of sleep, which they wouldn't have at the time, I mean, ugh. Well, it's it's unfortunate. So apparently at this place, this, you know, equal opportunity, high class brothel, the prostitutes were required by force to be well enough read so that they could attract and converse with the more educated men. So they were reading some of the best literature and concepts and whatnot. So what they were like telling them poetry while they were doing it? Or? I think they're supposed to be eloquent so that the, wor- the that the fancy people didn't think they were sleeping with, I don't know, low class. Because that class was such a huge issue at the time. Oh, I thought you meant that the men are like, they had to be educated to go in. No, the women had to be educated. Oh. So that the men would just be like, oh, well, I, like, what? <laughs> I need I need my hussies to be well read oh, or something. I guess the illusion it, of... of- a date? I, I don't know. Or maybe the they could extract more money from the men because they're like, ooh, our women have read a book. Oh, I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, this is horrible times where horrible people have horrible ideas. I mean, we're just... <laughs> now, despite this education, uh, it was undoubtedly the center of many unsavory business affairs beyond simple prostitution. According to a report on KOAT, the brothel was such a hive of scum and villainy that it was raided on a near monthly basis. (laughs) And because money talks, McGrath would pay a fee and continue on running her business like nothing had happened. After all, reports from the time claim that McGrath was the richest woman in all of New Mexico, at least for a time. Wowza. McGrath herself was considered by many to be a shrewd and tough businesswoman, and at one point, in an effort to get around a law limiting brothels within a certain distance of churches, she paid off a congregation so that they would relocate to a different area for their church. And then she had her ladies burn down the church in order to build a new brothel over the ashes. Oh, that's ruthless. And that's also how you get into the negative eyes of God, if that's, you know, if you believe in all that. That's why it's haunted around here. (laughs) (laughs) Her business thrived even after Albuquerque made prostitution illegal in 1914. Eight years of clandestine dealings later, McGrath would die of a stroke while standing in line at the bank to deposit money. (laughs) She was 60 years old. Oh, man. Although the red light district eventually disappeared and her brothel would eventually be demolished, McGrath found a way to remain. Of course she did. Today, standing across the street from the former brothel is the Hyatt Regency, one of the more prominent hotels in downtown Albuquerque. I'm sure the Hyatt's very excited about this story. Oh, it actually is. Really? Or at least they were at a point. Just just wait. <laughs> Anyone who has seen the skyline of Albuquerque, we have two prominent buildings with pyramid tops. Mm-hmm. This is the shorter one. Okay, got it. But the block with the tall and the short one, that was the former red light district. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Our tallest building in Albuquerque is standing on the former red I'll light district. I'll never look at it the same again. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. I like how like the largest phallic symbol is like, <laughs> that's where all the hookers were. That's where they did it. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> in the 90s, the Hyatt Regency opened a restaurant in the lobby, and they named it the McGrath Bar and Grill. Named after 
the infamous, the infamous, infamous, infamous Madame. What might have seemed like a fun nod to Albuquerque's history may have had a much darker consequence. You see, soon after the bar opened, reports of paranormal activity began to pop up. Of course it did. I love this. <laughs> Tell me. The most common sighting was of a woman matching McGrath's description standing on the premises. Most reports claim that she looked younger than in her final years. She didn't look hmm. 60. But her clothing did resemble something similar to the 1920s. So there's a bit of a dichotomy there. You know, you'd figure that most people see her in like 1800s clothes, but they don't. They're seeing 1920s clothing and a younger woman. Okay. But she was supposed to look like McGrath. Interesting. She was often seen at night, and the ghost activity was more often seen by staff after hours when the building should have been empty. But plenty of sightings were seen by customers at the time, day and night. Okay. Most of the sightings did not result in incidents, but people reported that the spirit was not a happy one and never looked happy. It was an angry presence, and many suggested that it only resided there because the bar evoked her presence with its name. Maybe she was upset that she was poor again. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my money? Where's my money? Others claimed that her ghost had always been there and that people just brought it to attention because of the bar had opened up at some point in the early 90s. So like the activity stirred things up kind of thing? Yeah, the idea was that maybe she was always there watching her brothel area as the years passed. But now, All right. I mean, an empty hotel lobby, you're not going to see many sightings. But if you're mm-hmm. in a restaurant bar that a lot of people are in all the time, maybe you'll see. There's more the opportunity. Exactly. More opportunity. That's a much yeah. better way to say it. Okay. One store even suggested that she would hang out in the women's bathroom and lock the occupants in there from time to time. (gasps) However, to be fair, while I was reading this, I found that Albuquerque has numerous ghosts known to have the habit of hiding in women's (laughs) bathrooms and locking them in their stalls. Meaning this may have been an assimilated story that was from one of these other ones and may not be directly attributed to this one. So most sightings were along the, the line of people seeing her reflection in a mirror. Or they'd be gazing around the room, and they would see her, and when they did a double check, she was gone. Gone, yeah. That's how most guests would see her, and she was always described as looking angry and judgy, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what the right (laughs) term is, but she looked like she wasn't too happy, and she was always staring at the people. Oh, God. That's kind of, that's super scary, actually. Because, you know, it's bad enough that you're seeing, like, an apparition that does not look fairly normal, but a pissed-off apparition, I'd be like, oh, no. I'm going to totally get possessed somehow or or whatever. As you can imagine, a lot of people started going to the bar because they wanted to see the ghost, even if it was pissed off. I guess so that's maybe true. it wasn't that scary. Yeah. And it looks like it was staff members who would be the ones who felt the most unsafe. Okay. They're the ones who reported seeing it late at night and that they felt like maybe they were in danger. Things like glasses would break and no one was near them, or they would hear sounds or see movement or witness something. When the bar was empty and they were the only people in it. Okay. So but, that, so, you know, while they were working, they never noticed anything really. And then it wasn't until before or after hours kind of thing. You can only imagine when you're alone, you're, you're going to be more aware of this stuff. If you're in a busy bar. I was going to say, stuff, yeah. yeah, whenever I worked in like retail or whatever, I never paid attention. In fact, I barely paid attention to the customers to be exactly. fair. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was a really good employee. You would have been such a good waitress. <laughs> That would have been the best. (laughs) McGrath's history demonstrated that she was a harsh and determined woman. One can only assume the ghost would be as well. 
Despite no instance that would lead to injury, the ghost of McGrath would quickly become one of the most famous ghosts in all of Albuquerque. Back during its operation, McGrath's Bar was known as a haunted restaurant, whether the owners wanted it to be or not, and Mm -hmm. people went there to enjoy it. Right. The bar was closed, and the entire hotel was renovated in 2011. And here's the interesting thing. The story, I found the article about it. This, I have a feeling it was a lot more haunted than any of the stories I could come with because they kind of did something weird when they closed the bar down. Okay. So in 2011, the McGrath sign was lowered from the building and placed in a casket, (gasps) which was taken away in a hearse drawn by horses. What the fuck? Attendees of this ceremony were apparently dressed in 1920s attire. Oh my God. An homage to the time in which McGrath passed and the clothes in which she might have been wearing as a visage. An article on the subject claims it was a, quote, tongue-in-cheek affair, end quote, but I still have to ask why it was so elaborate. That's kind of a big to-do over That's a tongue-in-cheek a... incident. Okay, so you said 2011? Yeah, this was... Where were we? I don't know. Drunk in college? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a... I've never well, I never even heard of this bar. That's like something I would have totally attended. Just to like oh, see. Oh, absolutely. I like, what is happening? I have no idea. So with all this, even if they say tongue-in-cheek, I have to ask why so elaborate? I mean, I wonder if it had to do with the notion of laying the past to rest for good, that maybe a lot of people were like, this ghost is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And if the sign really did bring her to this restaurant to occupy it, that maybe they needed to say goodbye so in maybe kind was... of a formal way. Okay. So, like, maybe, like, letting her rest almost or just being like, look, we're done with you or I, who knows? I have no idea. I mean, so so one option is this could have been the... uh hotel's way of trying to bring attention to the new restaurant that was going to open or maybe a lot of the people who are saying goodbye the ghost was such an important thing to them they want to do this or i honestly think maybe they're like we need to get rid of this ghost it's a problem (laughs) so let's have some sort of formal way it's like listen the the new owners aren't about it so we're gonna have to really really get rid of it exactly yeah so, what opened in the location after, you know, they, they took down the sign is an upper-class restaurant named Fork, but it's spelled F-O-R-Q-U-E, not F-O-R-K. Mm. I hear it's got good reviews. People really yeah. like it. It's a definitely upper-class. Um, now, everything I've read, and I tried to look for it, no one is suggesting that it is currently haunted. Maybe they're repressing s- stories that it's haunted, or no one has any stories that it's Did haunted. Did you go to... Like Yelp or any of those kind of review sites. I didn't, to see. but my deepest Google foo wasn't finding anything. Oh, that's that's fine. So Fork's been open for about ten years now. So either nothing's there, or I just haven't been able to find anything about it. Hmm. So did McGrath's spirit leave because they finally laid her name to rest, or is her spirit still there, tormenting the patrons, or waiting for it to pop back out, and thus ends. My birthday boos for this week. <laughs> Woohoo! But I'm not done. Oh my. I have another story for you. You have a second story? But we'll get to that. I want to hear what your thoughts are on, on McGrath and her, the, the ghost of the brothel, madam. So, horrible woman, but very interesting. I had no idea that this kind of history existed. I never, Neither did I. Never thought I would see those buildings and think brothels, but I will now. And also, you know, I, I, I guess, like, I, I shouldn't be surprised at the situation of, like, what these people had to go through and, like, you know, the, the horrible situation that these women were in working in brothels. 
But at the same time, I'm still not sure if I'm convinced if it was her haunting the hotel, just based on the fact that she looked a lot younger, but maybe that was her vanity too. Like her, because she doesn't seem, she seems like a tough woman who was all about appearance and be making money Agreed. and all these things. So maybe her appearing younger is actually pretty, like not unrealistic to assume. I would also like to point out here, here's something. And I, and I, I mean, absolutely no disrespect to people, uh, I'm very familiar with fashion, not because I'm super into fashion, but I'm very familiar with the way people dressed from around, like, I'm going to say most of American history. Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with what 20s attire looked like and 1910s Edwardian era. I think we all kind of have an idea. But I don't think that many people do because a a lot of times, a lot of 1920s fashion was a massive drastic change from everything that came before it. And so I have a feeling that a lot of people, when they say 1920s, what they're actually picturing is probably like 1900s Edwardian era. Like if you even have a corset alone, it's not 1920s attire. And so, and so when I saw most of the pictures of McGrath, you know, alive, she was never wearing anything super modern, everything, even when it was like a 1910 photo, it still looked late 1800s in style. Okay. I have a feeling she may have held on to it. And, and we're also talking about prostitutes and prostitutes have to wear very specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1800s, it, it was this notion that proper women didn't wear makeup. They absolutely did, but men didn't understand makeup routines and the idea was that only prostitutes wore makeup and that's just because they're... Or at least heavy makeup. Their, their makeup was very elaborate and designed in a very it specific was, way. It was costumey. Like it was exactly. a, a, like a Not a performance, but... I don't want to use the word clown, but hopefully that at least portrays the idea of you're exaggerating features for a very specific thing. Right. Proper women absolutely wore makeup, but the idea was to make it not to jump out. So I think... I think when people said, ooh, 1920s, I don't think they were picturing her with a bob and one of those straight dresses or anything, which Mm -hmm. is going to be a lot closer to what was going to be a roaring 20s, trendy sort of affair. So I'm not quite sure people, when they describe it. So your problem, too, is not necessarily that whether or not there was a ghost isn't the issue. It's just that maybe that their description wasn't accurate. Exactly. And so we're never going to get a really good understanding of who it might have been because of that reason. Exactly. Yeah. But it is kind of cool because most of Albuquerque's, you know, modern history was during the time of photography. So you can actually see a picture of the rundown original brothel. Mm -hmm. You can see pictures of her. It's pretty neat. So the history gets real enough that you can actually see it instead of a lot of my stories from the 1500s where you just have to imagine. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) That is pretty cool. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I'm just amazed at the idea of a bunch of prostitutes burning down a church so they could build a brothel. I mean, doesn't that sound like a talking head song? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, it, it just sounds insane to me, but definitely, yeah, very ruthless. I mean, if there's ever going to be a ghost that scared me, it's the ghost of that woman. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this ghost burned churches and didn't even care. <laughs> so she could get money? Yeah, I was like, I don't want her haunting me, I, that's for damn sure. She'll I just love me. that she was standing in line at the bank. <laughs> And that was from an article from 1922. That was from the newspaper that oh, wow. said. Oh, I so bet. She, she technically died. She was pronounced dead at her house, not too far away. Mm. But they said she had a stroke at the bank. So they say died, but I think she died later on. She just had a stroke, and they brought her there, and then she died. Yeah. But I mean, business, business. And her age even seems to be a point of contention. That news article said she was 60, but a book called, I think, The Wicked Ladies of Albuquerque, I can't remember the exact title, suggests that she might have been younger than that because she moved to Albuquerque in 82 and she might have only been 14. 
and she started her brothel Oh, you mean business. when she started everything? Well, in 82, when she moved here, she might have been 14, and she started the brothel a couple years later, so she might have been, like, Holy 18 Lord. or 20. Uh, so I have very conflicting viewpoints. I mean, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty badass, but then I'm like, brothel? You know, it's very confusing. Woman, right? Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting, and, you know, I don't know how she treated everyone or, or what she did, but, like... It just seems like a very wild story in, in its own, so I, I don't even know. And our opinions on prostitution are based on a lot of modern narratives. We have, I guess, know, like, I, I always think of, like, the worst-case scenarios, like human trafficking, course, and that's what I'm always like, picturing. But I don't know, you know, maybe this was, like, liberating or somehow, like... And remember, this was all, a form of, all the history we have is from a patriarchal society, so she may have actually been very caring and kind towards the girls. Possibly, but yeah. The men best. hated the idea of a powerful woman yeah. and prostitutes have any power over them so they would just write her as such an evil terrible and that's shrill definitely person. what i'm i'm thinking maybe over time that's the interpretation that we are getting at this point but yeah who knows I and have maybe no idea. she was a dick to guys but she was great to women yeah maybe she's like look you know you have an opportunity to do whatever you want you know you can work for me obviously you'll be having a lot of sex but it's <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna get your cut you know what i'm saying so who knows who knows? So if she hates men, I'm really glad I never ran into the ghost. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, right. All right. So let's get on to my second story. All right. So I have a little story that actually popped up on TikTok. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, good. And, and no, the scary part isn't that some of us started using TikTok or something, because we don't. I mean, it's fine if you do. No, Who no, cares? but I found, I found out about it because it was a Yahoo News story that talked oh. about the TikTok. So oh, my God. Of course it. you have Yahoo News stories. But anyway, go ahead. Everything comes up to me when I search for haunted. <laughs> so this one is going to be particularly scary for all of you out there with young kids. Uh, oh, okay. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sure. That's the words that are going to come out of their mouths. <laughs> Back in October, TikTok user haunted... <laughs> Hanukkah Laura, who shall henceforth be known as Laura, because I don't want to say that ever again, <laughs> had a rather terrifying experience. She is new to motherhood and has an infant. She currently is living with her fiance and their dog, and she had only recently begun putting the baby in the crib to sleep alone. Mm. Only four times before, to be exact. However, after setting the child down for what would be the fifth time, she was overcome with a feeling of unease when she was in the next room. Perhaps it was just nerves, because this sort of transition is hard on mothers, not just babies. Oh, yeah. But perhaps it was that motherly intuition we hear about, which should never be underplayed. Moms have an incredible ability to sense when something might be threatening their child. Well, she went back and got her baby, and thankfully, it was all right. Oh, good. Yet the feeling of unease never seemed to leave Laura. She could still sense that something was off. So she decided to pull up her baby monitor and review the footage. Oh, my God. Now, all baby monitors are different. They come in all shapes and sizes and all different bells and whistles. I know this because you and me had to go through the process of learning about <laughs> them when we bought one for your sister, Vivi. Yeah. Not many of them have this rewind feature like TiVo, though. So, and by the way, my... Uh, my sister's boyfriend, he'll sell you on TiVo in an instant. Oh, I don't yeah. even watch TV, and I want a TiVo because of him. So <laughs> like TiVo, who knew? So he should work for this company. I'm just saying. <laughs> so anyway, not all baby monitors have that feature, so I can only assume that this was the Mac Daddy of baby monitors. <laughs> so this Did one... Did you say Mac Daddy? I haven't I, heard that in I'm a minute. I'm bringing it back from the 90s. <laughs> Bring it back. Oh, good. 
So did her whole review, and when she looked through the footage, she was mortified because she saw a stranger walk by the crib. <gasps> no. So the footage is focused on the baby oh and the crib. You can't really see much else. But you know how cribs have those prison-type bar designs? <laughs> a little cage, yeah. Yeah, got a little it. cage, right? So, and the the thing it's kind of using infrared light. So when you're when you see you're seeing just a, a washed out white picture coming back. Okay. So when you're looking at the baby and you see the crib and you can kind of see the the prison bars behind him, uh, everything comes out super white, but the area between the prison bars is pitch black. Like that's the distance. Okay. Can't see anything. All right. Well, you're just seeing this baby and the baby looks totally fine, and then all of a sudden you see these white legs walk by the crib. Oh no. She recorded this footage being played back on the baby monitor on her phone and posted it to TikTok with the caption, quote, I am fucking terrified. Yeah. She also claims that her fiance and dog were nowhere near the crib. I'm no forensic expert, but I can vouch that the figure walking by was wearing pants and was not the dog. (laughs) (laughs) What? Could it have been either her or her fiance? Sure. But why on earth would she post the video if it was? Attention? Yeah, I mean, it could be for the upvotes, and she did get some small internet fame for it. Sure. But I do think that's the cynical way to look at it, and it's not fun. I mean, who knows, for sure. Absolutely. Replies to her post suggested that the legs did not look ethereal or ghostly. I don't know about that, because infrared makes everything look washed out and white. I would actually argue that it makes everything look unnatural and ghostly. But in a typical social media fashion, in addition to people freaking out along with Laura, there are plenty of backseat moms telling her how a baby should or should not be wrapped in a blanket. My childless ass has no comment on that stuff. (laughs) But according to her subsequent posts, they called a family member who apparently worked in some form of law enforcement Mm. who who came over and inspected the house for any intruders. Good. I was going to say, like, that would have been my first move. It's like, okay, ghost maybe, but what if it's a real person? I'm I'm out of here. No way. As you could expect, nothing was found. Okay. Except for, as weird as this was, and I'm taking the news articles report on this because I couldn't find it in the comments. Okay. One small can of food. That was unopened, what? by the way. Where? So you... Exactly. So I don't know what to do with that information because... Like in the whole house? Yeah, or like... where, where was the can found? What food Was it food that's normally in their pantry and it was just misplaced? Right. Or is it something they'd never buy? Was it in the baby's room? Was it in the attic? Like, I have so many questions and I have no yeah, answers. That was a poorly written article. Because if you just see like a random can of tuna in the living room, you'd be like, eh, maybe my drunk ass brought it in there and I forgot. Yeah. But if you but... find like a can of food they've never eaten sitting like on the floor in the baby's room, then I'm worried. I start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Solution. Cry. So the lack of information is upsetting. So either they had a Ninja Turtle level squatter who left, (laughs) the whole thing is a hoax for that sweet, sweet internet fame, or there is a ghost and everyone's doomed. Yeah. It should be mentioned that Laura's fiance's mom is a medium, so there is no denying that this household is going to be pretty open to the idea of supernatural tomfoolery. Of course. And did uh, the, what was it, mother-in-law or whoever, medium, is she somehow involved or has she mentioned anything? I don't know because I only found a post in the comments from Laura that said you can talk to her because apparently her fiance had lots of experiences as a child and okay. put a link to her either her TikTok or her Instagram account, the mediums. 
I did not oh, click on it. I didn't care. Okay, <laughs> sure. But apparently this guy's had a lot of stuff happen to him. Maybe a ghost is following him, a la Paranormal Activity 2 kind of, or something. Yeah, something attached to him. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> so to all you mothers out there, double check that your doors and windows are locked before putting your kid to sleep tonight. You know what? In fact... Everyone, make sure your doors and windows are locked. Kid or no kid, protect yourself. <laughs> because unless you live on Candy Fucking Mountain, you should always be worried that there are serial killers out there and shit. I don't know, Candy Mountain. <laughs> his liver went missing. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Oh my god. That, so anyway, that is a time warp as well. That was that was my little random TikTok horror story, which I never <laughs> thought I would say those words in my entire effing life. I'm so happy that you had a really strange combination of stories <laughs> to tell me today, because I, I was like, what's missing in my life? Brothels and TikTok ghosts. And they weren't the same story. <laughs> they were not the same story. Who knew? <laughs> so anyway, that's what I got for you today. Thank you. I'm very terrified now of like random cans. Finding a random can of food in a house now is like my <laughs> just the random. I can. just I, I well I mean like what do you even what do you even make sense out of that? I like how that's your focus, but I'm just imagining your sister Vivi because she still uses her baby monitor. That after hearing this story, she's gonna just sit there looking at the baby monitor like all <laughs> intently, just being like, "What the fuck?" What the fuck? <laughs> I think everyone's going to be looking at their monitors or their rings or whatever tonight. They're going to be like, look. Doorbells. Yeah. What is out there for sure? So, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, So I think that brings us to the end of our episode. However, if you want to stick around a little longer, please do, because I think we're just going to really quick mention that of a movie that we're gonna watch a little brief description and then that's it right like yeah so this week we're definitely uh you know we might watch other movies and we're gonna post those to our instagram but i know for sure we're gonna try to watch dead snow this week yes now if you haven't seen dead snow it is a over-the-top slasher film from i can't remember the specific country but it's one of the scandinavian countries i thought it was norway it might be right um, I'm trying to remember. Like the Nordic. Yeah. Um, I think it was. I think it was Norway, but maybe I'm wrong. But it's definitely a group of people who go to yeah. a uh, a cabin out in the mountains. Uh, you know, they bring their snowmobiles and everything like this, and they're going for a fun weekend of drinking and everything like that. And they run into undead Nazi zombies. Yeah. Oh, and the movie is like modern times, just so you know. <laughs> um, it so is it's not like in World War II zombies. Like, not at all. I mean, at, at the time, and then there's zombies. No, no, no it's like present day essentially and then Zom- or world war ii soldiers re-emerge from the snow <laughs> rising from the snow <laughs> the uh it is in a foreign language so it is subtitled but i can promise you it is worth your time to go through it's not a dialogue heavy movie exactly uh, so, and even during the action scenes the dialogue is so minimal it's not like you have to read anything because most of the action is done without words and then the dialogue that does exist is pretty fun and funny it's great and, and just, fun yeah and Ridiculous. I can tell you right now, the gore effects are really fun. They won't gross you out, but they're done well. And the acting, stellar. But usually when we watch foreign films, they they just get really they good to, actors They tend out to there. nail it. You know, it, it's a fun movie. It. Yeah. Totally worth watching. There is a sequel. I wasn't as fond of it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I, I haven't, I've only seen it once. But the first time we saw Dead Snow was at our local independent theater, the Guild Theater, and we went to it drunk. And a I'm bit. so happy I didn't have to pee once during the movie because <laughs> I was buried deep in the people. But everyone was going crazy and popcorn everywhere. And it was just a big old blast. And you could smell weed in the air. It was just 
it was quite the affair. And ever since then, it's kind of been a pretty regular movie of ours. It's been but, a somewhat a tradition. I don't think we watch it every year because we don't want to get sick of it, but we definitely watch it often enough. So and it's always not, in the winter. Yeah, it's not necessarily Christmas themed, but it is during the winter, so it's a perfect cuddle up in front of the yeah, fireplace like and watch a scary there's movie. There's snow, movie. there's a cabin. It's definitely a good December movie. So we're definitely going to talk about that next week. And if we watch any other movies, we'll post them on Instagram and we can talk about them. And I hope you join along with that. Yeah, definitely. So so anyway, other than that movie, if you have any other comments, questions, or personal scary stories you want to share, drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or through any of our social media accounts. As always, we post episodes every weekend, and you can find us on all standard podcasting platforms. We are in the thick of it now, the holiday season, with all its poor dietary choices designed to lead <laughs> us to our inevitable New Year's resolutions and subsequent gym memberships. So enjoy the fun part while it lasts, and if you happen to enjoy the drinking part a little too much in the coming days, and you find yourself feeling rough, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover... Is fear. Bye. Oh. <laughs>